Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Tamara Vrooman chose, as we now know, the most intriguing time to leave Van City as its CEO to take on the same role at YVR, our international airport, that pesky thing called the pandemic struck and struck and struck. And only now does it feel like the airport we knew and most everyone loved is approaching what it felt like in the years before our traveling world was upended. Wanted some time now to catch up on her tenure at YVR, look a little bit back at uh, what's happened, look forward a lot. So I welcome again to our podcast, Tamara Bruman, CEO at YVR. Really nice to see you. Yeah, hello, Kirk. Nice to be here. Is the uh, is the airport back, sort of back, kind of back, somewhat back? Uh, much back? I'd say we're uh, definitely <laughs> we're definitely back. Uh, we're not quite at where we were in 2019 uh, overall, but some parts uh, of our business are much higher than they were in 2019. So domestic, for example, is significantly uh, higher in terms of passenger volumes than it was in 2019. So the recovery has been a bit different than uh, than what we saw leading into the pandemic, but it's definitely busy. 17 million passengers, we think, will have passed through our airport uh, this year. Yeah. It, it, is there going to come a point? Ever where we can say hey, we put the impact of the pandemic on business behind us? I don't think that'll ever happen, no, because when major events happen like this, it it does change things and it changes things forever. And, and I really think there's one thing that I've learned through the pandemic is you can't go back. You can only go forward. And so yeah. while a lot of things were challenging in the pandemic uh, for our business and for many businesses across our region, uh, some things were good and some things, uh, you know, we're learning and changing and it'll make our, our business stronger and better. Yeah, I mean, the inflection point of the pandemic, and it's a long inflection point, I guess, but, uh, you know, I remember what 9-11 did to travel. And I don't mean just that it caused, uh, you know, a, a decline in a hurry or anything like that. It was just that the model of travel actually changed out of 9-11, different forms of security, different ways of of dealing that and our airports of course had to adjust to that are you getting a bit of a gauge yet on how the pandemic has has in a way disrupted and shifted just our style of travel even i think a few things uh have changed permanently certainly the uh the predictions around uh, business travel and the fact business travel was dead you know to paraphrase uh, uh mark twain the, the the reports of business travel's death were quite premature we have seen a bounce back in business travel but not quite in the same way so people are not traveling to toronto for that two-hour business meeting and and flying home they may be going for two or three two-hour business meetings over three or four days uh, sometimes they're taking their family with them and blending uh, leisure and business travel. So we're seeing a different travel pattern. We're not seeing a reduction in travel so much as a, a, a shift. And I think some of those shifts, because they're linked to the way we live and the way we work, uh, are changing. And they will change yeah. permanently. Yeah. Most of us see the, you know, the check-in counter, the security lineup, the lounge at the gate. I mean, those are things that we all know as sort of an associate with an airport but uh, but now you know you would know now so much more about what's going on there and and what's in behind the curtain in a certain way and, and all of this tell me that in you know in less than three hours uh what you've what you've really uh, what you thought you knew and what you really learned about how the airport is really part of the community 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, running an airport uh, is an interesting uh, business because virtually everybody you meet has an opinion about it because they have, yeah. of course, experienced it as a passenger. And and what we know is, uh, as a passenger, is uh, really only just the tip of the iceberg of uh, of what goes on uh, in in an airport. You know, we're we're uh, twenty six thousand people work here each and every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the largest building uh, in the province. But beyond that, it is a ecosystem uh, that's very complex uh, un, uh, unto itself. It has international trade, travel, uh, commerce. It has security, safety. It has marketing, business development. Uh, and then it is a huge people leadership and culture enterprise as well to make sure that we've got the right uh, the right service levels. And then, of course, it has to represent the community uh in the building in the art in the way that we welcome people so there's not much in our community that isn't represented or touched by an airport which makes it just an absolutely fascinating business yeah it, where do you start in managing it well i i uh, was uh lucky in a way to start uh in the pandemic so there wasn't as much uh traffic wasn't busy at all and so i spent my time uh, really going out on tours of the airfield, looking at dikes and ditches, as well as understanding the complex operations that we have in our baggage systems. You know, we have our baggage system that if we stretched it end to end would be 12 kilometers long, roughly the distance between uh, the airports and uh, Yale Town, for example, a hugely complex system that exists beneath the floor. Spent some time up in the tower, uh, understanding the navigation uh, pieces, uh, but then also spent a lot of time with our customers. Everyone from our tenants that run the Tim Hortons all the way through to the CEO of Air Canada and uh, and British Airways. So. It's a it's a soup to nuts uh, sort of business, but one that's really important. You know, we live in a big country, blessed with a large geography, but a small population. And so we need a healthy aviation system just to make our society and our economy work. And it's really exciting to be at the crossroads of that. People who come from outside of a, a particular business and, and have to get their arms around everything, really, um, always end up finding a couple of fascinating things that really appeal to them. What, what, um, what would you say are the, the big reveals for you, you know, in, in terms of the, the stuff that you then wanted to focus on that you found fascinating as part of your job? So in how, how, how has your couple of years there gone and you can then focus on maybe a couple of things that you, they're almost like hobbies for you and passion. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly I have a few, uh, I have a few of those. Uh, and actually there's probably four. Um, the first one is uh, one of the things we did and one of the things I, I think I looked at differently um, coming in was we changed our land use plan for the first time in 30 years. Uh, and so that allowed us to free up 400 acres of uh, industrial land uh, for development and another 800 acres for densification for commercial development. That's a huge asset to have, uh, given the proximity we are to uh, the city, to the border, uh, to the Asia, to Asia Pacific. So tons of potential there, both to support uh, our operations, diversify our revenue, partner with others, work with Musqueam, 
and uh, and of course uh, uh, support the economy of the region. So that's been that's been a major change and and will be a huge focus going forward. The other one is we are a fossil fuel driven industry, um, but there's way more that uh, we can do as an airport than I think people think. You know, what happens on the ground, uh, also how uh, aircraft take off and land, just like in your car, whether you use the accelerator or the brakes, makes a difference, significant difference to fuel consumption. What kind of fuel we bring? Is it sustainable aviation fuel or conventional fuel? Do we allow uh, airplanes to plug in uh, into the grid when they're uh, at the gate? How do we think about uh, how we uh, fuel all of the ground side equipment? Is it done with biodiesel? Is it electrified? All of that is pretty fascinating. And I think we have uh, quite an opportunity to test and learn some of that decarbonization that's going to be important to our industry, given people's concerns with climate going forward. Um, the other thing is, just like every business, you know, it's a, it's a, something I think I uh, observed early in my career, but has been reinforced here. Despite the fact that we are a large industrial operation, we are at our core a people business. And mm -hmm. so our ability, we've seen during the pandemic, you know, the people that we relied on to do a lot of the tasks that keep our economy and our society running, I think we're frankly taken for granted. Uh, and that uh, was true a little bit at our airport. And so a lot of those 26,000 jobs are entry level, essential service, frontline uh, workers. And so the ability to really uh, support that labor force, both because we need to as a business, but also because it's the right thing to do through creating a living wage and just different employment and training programs. Uh, those would be uh, major things I'm working on. I, I wanted to uh, get a little bit more personal about what you feel has been the change in your, in any leadership style that you've had during the pandemic. You, you can't have such a disruptive event and not have some kind of a shift in what you've been done and doing, even for an experienced leader like you. How, how do you think your own style has changed during this last couple of years? I think it's, uh, it's really, um, I've had to adapt, uh, my style to the toolkit that was available to me, which was quite different than it was pre-pandemic. So uh, my style has been uh, very much, uh, I really believe in communication and transparency. So I am a leader that likes to spend time uh, with our teams, with our customers, with our investors, as the case, uh, as the case may be. I learn a lot from being with them, listening to them, uh, understanding their perspectives. That was put on an abrupt hold in the pandemic. And uh, so the ways that I usually gain intelligence beyond you know, the balance sheet and the PNL and the KPIs was to be in contact with people. So I did struggle at first to be candid around how to do that when I was the only person in the office <laughs> for days and days and days uh, on end and nobody was taking meetings and nobody was going anywhere. Certainly Zoom and Teams uh, um, are tools that we now know uh, bridge that gap. But at the beginning, it was hard for me to just sit here and look into a camera, get no feedback uh, on a screen of people who did were afraid to turn on their cameras and talk right. to them about who I am. I'm their new CEO. They've never laid eyes on me. Uh, we're in a tough, uh, tough spot, historically difficult as an industry, tons of uncertainty, both around people's personal health and fear around having to come into work as essential workers, as well as the future uh, of our business. So I think 
I had to learn to do what I had done in person uh, this way and leaned into it. We we uh, had a started off as a daily and then became weekly session like this uh, that uh, my staff called ended up calling live TV a play on my initials, uh, but it was a way for me to connect uh, with people and to hear from them directly. So I think it it uh, affirmed that communication and transparency is the way that you understand what's really going on in your business, but had to adjust the toolkit significantly. Did anything surprise you about yourself? Uh, I think the surprise, you know, uh, I've always liked the people part of, uh, of the business. I've always liked the strategy and the complexity. All of those things uh, came together in, in spades in this role during the pandemic. Um, <clears throat> I think what surprised me is is just uh, how predictable I am, I guess, in that uh, that's what I truly like to do. And no matter how challenging the circumstances, um, if I lean in on those uh, those few things, uh, we'll have some success. I was I was quite moved recently at your talk um, at the Board of Trade when you started to discuss how Indigenous people um, had taken it upon themselves to be the welcome party yeah. for refugees to uh, to Canada. Um, what did that touch in you? Well, uh, certainly uh, I felt it was important to share that story uh, uh, with business leaders uh, across the region because I was so moved by it. You know, we talk a lot about reconciliation uh, as we should, and there's so much more that we need to do as a, as a region as a and as a country. And YBR has a very deep uh, and important uh, relationship with Musqueam. Uh, because the island is located on the traditional territory of Musqueam. I mean, we have a historic 30-year uh, friendship and sustainability agreement that really was the first of its kind in the country and, and guides many of our activities. But, you know, an agreement is just an agreement. And words, while important, if they're not backed up by actions, are not, uh, are not very meaningful. And I found that um, the more we lean into learning uh, about different ways of thinking about our business, thinking about our future, a time horizon that's way longer than what even we would take uh, in, a, in an infrastructure uh, type business. Um, the more we see opportunities that I never could have predicted. And so the fact that you know we welcomed uh, over two dozen flights uh, carrying refugees, uh, mostly from Afghanistan and now Ukraine, um, and remember, these are people who come here by circumstance, not by choice. And so highly vulnerable, traumatized, tired, beyond belief, and thrown out, really, forced to leave uh, their homes, in sometimes their homes of many generations. And the fact that Musqueam elders instantly understood the importance of welcoming uh, these people uh, to their uh, to their territory in a meaningful way in the dead of night in sleet snow rain whenever these flights because they're charter flights right whenever these flights came in we had elders standing at the gate and welcoming uh, each and every person that came on it's something the likes of which I've never seen and we heard from those refugees and the people supporting them that in many cases it was the first time in their lives that they have felt uh, felt welcome. Think about what that does to 
uh, a region and to the success of those people as they navigate the where they feel they actually are welcomed and belong uh, by the first people. Truly remarkable. Did it without ceremony, without uh, issuing a press release, without yes. uh, pomp. Just did it because it's the right thing to do when you really want people to succeed and thrive, not only for the day they arrived, uh, but literally for generations. There was that uh, television show a couple of years ago, you know, people arriving and, you know, hello, goodbye, I think it was called. And uh, uh, I think that the intent of that program to me appeared to be what an airport can teach you about emotion and yourself and your, you know, your self-awareness. When you take a look at that Musqueam Elder uh, series of episodes, um, what do you think it should teach us? It's really interesting, you know, an, an airport, we think of an airport as a plane, uh, planes, a beautiful building. We, we sometimes think about it uh, uh, with enthusiasm if we're going to a new location or to visit a loved one or exciting new business uh, or with dread if we have a little bit of anxiety <laughs> around the processes that we, uh, we put people through. But um, uh, Chief Robert Joseph uh, said to me once, we were having a conversation about reconciliation at the airports. And I asked him, I said, I think it's odd that we're having a conversation about reconciliation at an airport. He said, not at all. When you think about it, an airport is where humanity meets. And he's quite right. And whether we see the best of humanity in quotation marks as we queue up uh, to board an aircraft or the best of humanity when we see um, uh, elders welcoming uh, people, it really is, you know, when millions of people, strangers, interact with tens of thousands of people who are serving them uh, minute by minute, day by day. It really is a very unique uh, circumstance and creates yeah. unique opportunities. I think last month alone, we had four wedding proposals uh, at the airport, uh, for example, yeah. in public with everybody at the gate uh, cheering on these two, uh, these two strangers. And so it's a, it's a yeah. place of human connection more than anything else. It's a it's a city that gets created every day uh, kind yeah. of thing. Um, I want to conclude with, a, with of course, a look ahead. And uh, and again, I, don't, I, I would really like to put the pandemic in the rear view mirror, but I guess you can't do that. Uh, however, what I want to see is whether you've had to adjust some of your timelines, some of your expectations, uh, some of your big vision plans as an airport about what you want to do over the next five to 10 years because of you know, there's still kind of a tentativeness about the way we're approaching big things in society right now. We're still, there's still uncertainty that people have about their safety, about their, you know, the, the, about restoring things. Um, what, you know, what's a little bit off the table now that maybe might've been on the table in your view over the next number of years? It's definitely going to take a little longer than I think uh, uh, we would have thought, hoped uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's giving us an opportunity uh, to really uh, look at our business uh, end to end and think about a future that didn't always look exactly the same as the past. So most of our planning leading up to the pandemic 
was long-term, but incremental, if that makes sense. So we we're looking 50 years out, but we are thinking the model was more or less the same. Yes, we'll continue to have more and more flights from China. And the question is not whether it's 8, 10, 18, 25, 35, but when those will come. Frankly, I don't think that's quite the same uh, going forward as it uh, as it once was. We thought aircraft would just get bigger and bigger. They have. They are not now. A lot of a lot of uh, airlines have downgaged their aircraft for more efficient, more sustainable, from mm -hmm. a fuel and a climate point of view, and more nimble and able to move and uh, have a diversity of uh, routes. Labor force changing. I think we frankly took for granted uh, in the past thinking now uh, uh, in ways of building careers, career ladders, career lattices, whatever you want to call them, uh, at the airports and training and developing our own people uh, in a way that we haven't before, which I think will actually give uh, great success. And then, of course, our land development, cargo. Cargo is a huge uh, source of uh, change and revenue for us. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. So really building out and digitizing our cargo facilities, I think, will give us a lot of capacity, uh, a lot of agility, and a lot of uh, opportunity, uh, not only for the airport, but of course for the region. Do, do you feel, uh, last last question, uh, do you feel like this is really just now the start of your term? Absolutely. I say to people all the time, I started on July 1st, uh, 2020, so almost two and a half years ago. But really, I only feel like I've been in the job for the last six months because we didn't have business in the normal way. We were busy. It's not like we were the Maytag repairman sitting, waiting for people to come or anything like that. We were very busy adjusting to all of the pandemic uh, requirements as well as really doing some pretty important foundational work. Uh, to get ready for when we knew uh, traffic would eventually come back. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing like seeing the results of those decisions in a business, in growth, in success, to really uh, feel like you're leading uh, the company and the organization. And that really only started in March. Uh, yeah, so for sure. Less encumbered. Yeah. Well, great talking to you. Good to catch up. And uh, yeah. thanks a lot for your time today, Tamara. It's great to see you. Yeah, thanks very much, Kirk. It's a pleasure as always. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief at Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching today.